Hello, good afternoon, everyone. This is Dr. Blom coming at you from Central Texas. With me, as always, is my excellent friend, esteemed colleague, Sean Esquire. How are you doing? Doing well, Dr. Blom. Uh, it's June the 3rd, 2023. Happy Pride Happy Pride. Month. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Happy Pride Month. Love is love, everyone. Love is love. Uh, we have uh, we have extra love is love going on. What's going on on uh, on your end over there? Love is love. Uh, my love, my, my love, my love is love is it's around ten right now. I think it's going to go up to eleven here soon. My dog is loving me right now, and I'm having to pet her right now to keep her from barking at us nonstop. As soon as I get out the podcast gear, the dog's like, "Oh, it's playtime. Get ready." Mm-hmm. Yep. Sean Esquire and I have both we've both uh, learned recently that we are gaining a lot of friends and popularity surging 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 is the word i believe that's correct uh mega surging in belgium the the belgium folk yeah badonkadonk badonkadonk is that what they say well thank you is badonk and hello is hollow okay well they speak three languages there i've learned this now that i looked it up you got the dutch you got the german or you got French, and I guess English, because they're listening to us in English. I don't think we have a way of translating this. Okay, but Badonk, uh, but, Belgium folk, thank also you. still still blowing up in Nigeria. So I want to say uh, Ose to our Nigerian fans, uh, or <laughs> fan Ise. <laughs> just is oh, we're down to one now. We had I think we had four <laughs> or five, and now just one. Well, you know what? Uh, if there is Nigerian uh, singular, then say to you so or 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 say depending on your age so i'm uh i'm very happy very excited summer is here it is getting uh hot and because of the surge of the belgium then sean esquire and i have both gotten into some some belgium uh some belgium beer we're getting a little ahead ahead of ourselves but the reason why i'm getting ahead of ourselves is because i kind of knew this going in belgian beer is pretty intense in terms of (laughs) Here, before we go too far into it, Doctor Blom. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not on a can Belgium this week. And then, so I will. I mean, we're going to be bouncing around a lot, and I don't want to blame the Belgian beer. I'm just going to say that it maybe it didn't help matters in terms of uh, streamlining <laughs> streamlining this week's podcast. So I had to. Yeah. I had to take a sip of this boring American beer just to like rehydrate my palate a little bit because yeah, i am this, right behind you we both mo- started about about noonish today that we said well we've had we've had such this uh huge surge of belgium fans with the podcast uh i don't know if i said welcome to a doctor and a lawyer walk into a podcast by the way now that we're now that we're 30 minutes in i'll just go ahead and put the name out there so we both <laughs> i i want to apologize because I am quite frequently, as you know, where this is episode 13, I will go to a tried and true thing. I don't want to do that anymore. From now on, going forward, I want to try, I want to at least try a new beer every week. And and I'm happy to say, oh, um, you know, five stars, uh, anything like that. But because of the, uh, again, I, I don't think we're using the word surge, just we're crazy we're kind of like the Tom Cruise of Belgium at this point for, right. uh, mm-hmm. uh, so we both decided, Hey, let's do some Belgian beer for this week. I did not a great job because my Belgian beer is not actually from Belgium, but Sean Esquire <laughs> got a Belgian beer. Uh, 
before we get into the into the specifics of it, well, one thing is I want to say mine is mine is a, a very generous like nine percent ish on its alcohol content. I think yours is like ten percent. Mine so, is a ten percenter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be a great podcast already. I can feel like my my legs are wobbly. I'm already slurring my words. All kinds of good things are happening. I got out, you know, I woke up, I was like, Pride Month, I've got all this goddamn body glitter all over myself just to just to celebrate <laughs> no one can say anything at work i can i can have as much body glitter as i want because it's pride month and everyone's like why do you have body glitter on I'm like why do you not believe in love is love so i've got a little bit of mea copa follow-up from last week but you i'll let you take the wheel to begin with because i feel like all week long i was nagging you about fall <laughs> like don't forget, yeah. don't forget, don't forget. <laughs> so Dr. Blom wanted to know what was the longest uh, soccer slash football for the Europeans game <laughs> in history, which now it doesn't really apply so much because, you know, you've got two halves, 45 minutes each. So 90 minutes of soccer or football. If they're still tied, you do two 15 minute overtimes. Why did minutes. I know it wasn't going to be just a simple answer, like a simple, hey, it was this on this day and this and these oh, guys. I'm getting right? there. Okay. So, all right. I'm sorry. So before all that, what the current rules are, the longest uh, football match was March 30th, 1946 in England. It was three hours and 23 minutes. Eventually, it became too dark to play because they didn't have like a lit field. So they had to flip a coin to determine which team would host the rematch. And then the rematch took place and the one team lost four to nothing. So it wasn't much of a rematch, but three hours, 23 minutes. Now there was a technicality that the Guinness book of world records, these people weren't just like playing a regular, like competitive match. This was, I guess, just a four fun match in Wales in 2019. There was an unofficial match that they just ran two teams of 18 players each for seven days and one hour beginning on Sunday, November 14th and ending on Sunday, December 21st. So they played a whole week, uh, only took like one hour breaks every 12 hours and just kept people running, probably like collapsing on the field, I'm guessing. Uh, But they did it just to set a record. So I don't really count it. I think it's got to be an actual game. Final, Final score on those games. Did you get that? Uh, two to two on the official three hour, 23 minute match and then four zero in the follow-up and then the seven day match. I didn't even care. I thought this right. is, I don't count these. Like we're doing this for a Guinness book, a world record. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's not, it's not a real thing. I want to clarify also on why I didn't include the football thing. Cause I did actually have a couple people ask. Uh, and again, Football on television, the game will be, you know, two or three hours. If you get into it and you actually just crunch it down to the actual game time, it's around 10 minutes. And this is one of a few reasons why I'm not a huge football guy. I'm not a huge football fan. Uh, You would love English football then. Yeah, there's just a lot of standing standing around. And, well, you know, I've said this before. Those fields are too big. They need to cut the fields in half for for the uh, football games. And again... If you have a game that's lasting four hours or whatever, and it's one o, that's from my perspective, that's not much um, of a game. I it's need, I need... one nil. Right. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> that was the that uh, that longest baseball game we talked about nineteen from nineteen twenty. It was one one after, and it was the same thing that it got too dark. So I guess 
up until recently, if it got dark, they said, hey, everybody, go to bed. Yeah. Electricity really changed the sports world. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'll throw in that that is where the phrase rain check came from in the olden days. You know, you'll tell a friend now, like, oh, we'll take a You want to go to a movie? I'll take a rain check. Rain check is from baseball in the olden days when if it would rain, then you would go, you know, you would get a rain check so that you can go back and watch the game. They would cancel the games because of rain. It's not like it is now. Uh, also, for a Copa follow-up, uh, volcano. I, I promise I'm trying to get away from volcanoes. The original word vol- volcano was V-A-L-C-A-N-U from the island, not volcano. It wasn't spelled exactly the same way. It was my That was probably my crappy doctor handwriting that got me into that. We also touched on the Constitutional Convention last time. One thing, you know, we try to hit all of the bullet points whenever we talk about history or anything like that. But I had planned to get to it, but we had been bouncing around. And that's completely my fault. They had during the Constitutional Convention that they said, well, let's not pass any amendments or any laws regarding slavery for at least 20 years. So I had said that they kicked the can down the road regarding the whole slavery issue, but that's the Is, extent. Did they have a clause that said, we're not bringing this up for at least 20 years, or they just didn't address it, and then just 20 years later they addressed it? They said specifically, I, I don't know if it's written in, but they specifically said, let's not address slavery. No, Specifically, no amendments or laws pertaining to slavery for at least 20 years at that time. They said, hmm. we just don't want, we don't want to get, even though there was a great deal of people that had spoken out and said slavery is wrong. It's horrible. So they, they knew, they knew that it was going to come to, that it was coming to an end and that it needed to come to an end. But at the same time, they also felt like, look, we have a huge thing uh, between the, the state's rights and the, the, the federalists and everything like that. Let's just get the constitution up and running. And then hopefully this whole slavery thing will work itself out. Probably we'll, we won't need a civil war to settle things. Hmm. Um, and they make, were wrong. Yeah. They were wrong on many, many regards. Mayacopa on my fault. Uh, Mayacopa on my part, I said Scarface was Colombian. He's Cuban. He was Cuban, not Colombian. The Bonnie and Clyde car, the death car, it's disputed, but they think the actual death car is currently in Vegas. This is a 1934 Ford, 1934 Ford Model 40B Deluxe. It's a V8 engine with a whopping 85 horsepower so that was the that was kind of the ferrari back then especially for american cars you had 85 horsepower that's the Mm -hmm. reason why they were able to evade evade they were evading all the horses with or the police on their horse the one the local local cops did not have 85 horsepower vehicles back then for sure they couldn't run that fast exactly yeah that's why they had to call in the big guns with the fbi I had a specific follow-up question for you, and again, probably getting getting ahead of ourselves. Where our our Belgian beer friends have have uh, we've pretty pretty generous on the alcohol content on these Belgian beers. Very. How was Sean Esquire? How was your brisket? How was your Memorial Day brisket? The family loved it, so okay. it was a win. Um, going back, I think we talked about. I I said we needed to add a bunch of you know salt and garlic to my gunpowder seasoning, it was a hit. So gunpowder seasoning is good. Just add more stuff to it. You just needed you needed to add more salt and everything. How big uh how big was your brisket ish? Oh uh, it was only it, I cut it I cut a half. So I only did the um 
I didn't do the flat portion. The flat's actually in the freezer. So it's about seven, eight pounds. Okay. On the and on the fat side. Cook time ish. Uh, about eight and a half, nine hours at two twenty-five. Okay, that doesn't sound very long for Brit. And again, I'm I'm not a smoking a brisket expert guy. I'm good with steaks, fish. I'm gonna do kebabs later tonight, but brisket has been on my to-do list for so long. I just haven't got around to it. But uh, eight nine hours is not that long as far as brisket goes. Correct? No, and it depends on how you do it. So, you know, you're if you're used to cooking steaks, I typically will get mine to right around one thirty-five sear it or wrap it let it rest it's going to get to around 145 when you serve it that's kind of like your perfect medium rare right brisket is a much tougher meat so you've got to cook it a lot longer and you got to get the temperature up in it so when the when brisket gets to 165 which for a steak we would say is well done uh, you'll hit something called the stall and that's where the brisket will stop rising in temperature and you'll kind of hover around this 165, 170 temperature. And you can either choose to ride it out eventually. So what happens in the stall, the meat sweats, right? So the moisture coming off of the brisket cools the brisket essentially at the same rate that it's trying to keep heating up. So it, the meat stalls out, it's not getting any hotter. So you can either choose to just leave it and let it run on the smoker and eventually the smoke's going to overpower it once it gets enough moisture out of it. Or two, which is what I do, I pull it out, you wrap it either in butcher paper, foil, wrap it real tight, put it back in the smoker, and that wrap is going to keep the heat in it. So now you kind of defeat the stall of the meat, and you want to get it to around 195, 200. Um, and usually at that point, unwrap, let it go for a little bit longer so you can crust up the the bark on the outside of the brisket, uh, but you don't want to go past like two, 205, 210. Um, so I pulled mine right around 200, kept it wrapped, put it in a cooler, let it rest for an hour. So the muscle starts to break down, becomes more tender and then go, go to town. You did for your rub. You just did your, your gunpowder rub. I know people do things like, um, <clears throat> like brown sugar, crazy things like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I just used uh yellow mustard as binder. So cover the whole thing in yellow mustard, put my salt, put my garlic powder, pepper, and then covered the whole thing in gunpowder seasoning, pat it all on the meat, flip it over, do the same thing, throw it on the smoker. There's no marinade, you don't like put it in a marinade overnight or anything? Nope. And then so then you're you're on the smoker and then when you wrap it, does it is there anything between like butcher paper or some people use beach towels, things like that? Uh, so beach towels is when you're resting, um, once you pull it off. So butcher paper, little more ideal foil does just as good of a job keeping the heat in the difference you run into is I feel like foil holds a lot more moisture like on the meat. So I don't think you get as good of a, a bark on it. And you can kind of counter that by unwrapping it, you know, if you're around the 185, 190 and stick it directly back on, on the smoker unwrapped and try to get the bark back up the temp. Whereas the butcher paper, you'll typically have a little bit better bark on it, but 
And so once you hit that sweet spot, is it, that's kind of like more of the art of cooking than the science of cooking that you want to, you want to let it rest an hour ish. Yeah, typically. Uh, because once it's wrapped, yeah, yeah. Like you said, people sometimes use beach towels. Once you pull it off, you can wrap it in a beach towel to keep the heat in, put it in a cooler. The idea is you're keeping the heat there without cooking it anymore, but it's causing the, the tissue to, to break down, becomes more tender makes your brisket taste a little better at the end of it without losing all its moisture. And then at the end, you don't do like a, like a flame on to get that nice, that crispy, that crispy exterior. No, no. I mean, I guess you could do, I guess you could finish it on the grill, the smoker. You wouldn't be able to, cause you'd have to get, it would take a while to get temperature up. Um, do you have particular briquettes that you use? Are you uh what do they call them? The, um, mesquite mesquite briquettes or I, I on this one i did hickory so hickory's good maple apple wood um you know i think smoked anything pretty much gonna turn out well if you do it long enough you cook it to the right temp it's hard to screw it up you know it's especially when I... you're cooking something for nine hours it's like it, it it's hard to screw up i think is it like a Thanksgiving turkey that you say, okay, this is how much it weighs, so this is going to be my approximate cook time based on the weight? Yeah, usually. The difference there is, tur- I can't think of the last time when I, you know, with, with turkeys, you typically do them in the oven, you know, right. or, or fry them, and you're, you're cooking the, I mean, if a turkey's running slow, you can just turn your oven up a little bit, and it's like instant heat, you know, with a smoker it's you got to add more air to get more oxygen so the fire gets hotter and try to get your temp up a little bit it just takes longer compared to an oven where you just oh the the turkey's cooking a little slow i'm just going to turn it up a little bit Um, the smoker it's difficult to do that because you don't want to get too hot and then you're trying to you know you can open it and lose your heat and cool the whole thing back off, but then you're probably having to slowly rebuild up your temp to get to where you want. So, so you're aiming, you're aiming like 168 Fahrenheit, 170 Fahrenheit ish on your, on your smoking. Uh, it should be close to 225 actual temp inside. Okay. So that's what my internal thermometer should be close to. And then the meat, yeah, you're going to hit close to 165, 170. It's going to hit the stall. And then you just determine from there how long do you want to uh, do you want to ride it out or do you want to wrap it? All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got we've got big things. We've got history, more beer talk. We're going to definitely get into this beer talk. I'm very excited about the Belgian beer. All right, we'll do that. Hello and welcome back to A Doctor and a Lawyer Walk Into a Podcast. I am Dr. Blom. With me is my excellent friend, Sean Esquire, and we are very excited to get into this week's beer talk. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Blom, I'm going to say these Belgians are no joke when it comes to how they make their beer. I So I'm drinking a Maritsu Triple Triple 10% alcohol by volume. This thing's not even an American beer can. It's only 11.2 ounces, where our cans are 12. So it's less beer, and I feel like 
this is my first one of these and i feel like i've had like five beers already i think the belgians just must be heavily intoxicated at all times i'm very worried about our our belgian fans or belgian friends either you know they just have they're just built differently they feel like oh we mm -hmm. have to have you know 10 percent beer or they have some real shit going on in their life and they're like <laughs> hey are you doing okay are you having are you having a bad week or month or century i apologize to our belgian fans that i i did make a concerted effort i was at the store i was texting sean f square i was like very excited oh i found some belgian beer so this is a belgian beer it's not from it, it's from the us so it's a belgium style i got this week brother Thelonious. This is from North Coast Brewing Company. Mine is a very, a very uh, modest 9.4%. Non 9.4% on its uh, alcohol. I have had one today. And yeah, it is it is definitely a beer not to be messed with. I think that they should put that on the side of the bottle this beer not to be messed with everybody. It's good. It's a it's a little on the heavier side, and with the nine point four percent alcohol, it's uh I I understand why they come in four packs and not six packs now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I like this. This is some strong beer, Doctor Blom. I used to drink Maritzu back in the day quite a bit. Oh no, it's good. It's really eight, good. The X or ten. Um, I hadn't had this triple triple, but this is what I found at the uh, the local total wine so mine is a belgium style abbey ale and this is from fort oh, bragg that's what mine is fort bragg california it's very good uh it's not too fruity uh not really if there's any kind of fruit whatsoever it's very very subtle and uh i also i like it it's not too hoppy and it's mm -hmm. not too heavy it's probably heavier than than most people like because i i, I feel like the fact that I like ambers, I tend to sort of land on heavier beers as opposed to pilsners, things like that. So thank you, brother Thelonious North, North coast brewing company and Belgian people. I promise I will be, I will be getting an actual Belgian beer hopefully by, by the next episode. But right now I am, I am moving beyond my usual. So I will continue to make earnest efforts to try a new beer weekly and uh and spread my wings in the in the beer realm yeah but donk to the belgians where if you want to get a kick in the liver you take one of their beers yeah belgians i hope that you're celebrating life with your 10 percent alcohol content <laughs> and not if you're going uh if you're going through anything uh belgium belgian friends please reach out we're we're always here to we're always giving I, hope, I hope we get a review on like apple podcast from a belgian person that's like Oh, 10% is just for you Americans. Right. We nah. drink 30% over here. <laughs> very, very weird. At some point, you just have to say, yeah, you guys know there's whiskey, right? If you're getting <laughs> you're getting that heavy duty with your beer alcohol content, you can always switch to liquor. I'm not, I'm not really a liquor guy, but for some people, it works really well. We were going to, you know, since we don't define beers too much, and we definitely should, we're going to get into uh, Pilsners and uh, Lagers, Sean Esquire. Mm. Yeah, what's a what's a lager? So, the big big picture wise, that all beers basically break down to lagers and ales. So pilsner okay. is actually is actually a lager. Once you get into the the beer realms themselves, then they they kind of have different demarcations. 
that they go, there's something called IBUs, which is the international bitterness units. I'm not a, mm. I'm not a bitter beer guy. I don't like bitter beer. Then of course, there's also the ABVs, which is the alcohol by volume. And I'm, I'm rocking a 9.4 right now. Sean Esquire is like at 10, <laughs> at 10. And then there's the third kind of big measurement system that they have is the standard reference method. And they'll actually look at the color and um, they have very scientific ways to, to quote unquote, measure the beer between the, the big, big picture, there's lagers and ales. It comes down to how are they fermented and the actual yeast. So ales themselves, uh, typically they use top fermenting yeast and the yeast are somewhere between 60 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, that they use for the for the ales loggers are a little different uh in the to the extent that bloggers typically use bottom fermenting yeast and that means they go around 35 to 50 degrees fahrenheit so they take uh they take longer to ferment and because dang so that's almost free that's freezing 30 30 35 to 50 degrees oh 35 35 okay. to 50 degrees fahrenheit for the loggers, uh, for their, for so their just, bottom, just, just above freezing bottom fermenting yeast. Well, yeah. So lager itself is German. It means to store. This came from the 19th century, the Germans. So they would dig out these cellars and they would fill them with ice from the rivers and things like that to keep the, the beers cool. So that was, that was the whole bottom fermenting yeast concept. That's just interesting. Cause I, you know, when you make like bread, uh, and you use like active yeast, you've got to put it in warm water. It says not too hot or you'll kill it, but you don't want it in cold water or it won't activate. So it's got to be in like warm water to activate before you put it with your flour to make bread. So it just seems odd that they would use yeast at 35 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, but because, it works. Well, yeah, because it has to do with density. It has to do with, like you said, the actual the life cycle of that of that yeast, so that they can get the bottom fermenting part of it. Uh, Pilsner itself, that's a city from the Czech Republic, and like I said, Pilsner is is technically it's a lager, but it's a it's a newer version of the lagers. That's what the American beers are, like your mass breweries, your Miller Lite, your your Budweiser, Coors. I, I know Coors Miller are owned by Molston, but those are uh, Pilsners, I guess, for the most part. Right. So I've, I've asked you before, because I'm not a, I'm not a Miller guy, but I know Miller is very proud of its triple was, hops brewed, triple hops brewed. And mm -hmm. so we had mentioned because beer is real deal. Beer is only four things. It's water, it's uh, grain, which was barley hops mm -hmm. and yeast so those are the four things that you need to make anything beyond that you're not you're not dealing with beer uh i guess you couldn't argue all the fancy ipas with their mangoes and their strawberries and things like that i'm not yum yeah yes. no no thank you no thank you to super fruity fruity sweet ready beers. for a, a fruity mayo beer to I, come out. today would be the day that you could actually sell me on hey would you like this strawberry ipa thing after i've had this very generous Belgium style Abbey uh, from uh, from the North Co North Coast Brewery at nine point four percent that I had I've had one I've had <laughs> been working it took me a while on that one just to sort of ease into it 
I got halfway into it. I'm like, what's going on? The legs it's are going to put me to sleep. Legs are getting wobbly <laughs> over here. So that's, those are the big breakdowns. And again, I promise we're going to bring in a beer expert that's going to explain this stuff much better than I can, much better than we can. But uh, we're doing broad strokes right now. So beers basically break down. Those are, the, those are the two main types. There's ales and there's lagers. Pilsner is a type of lager. And I'd like to hear from anybody that would disagree with this stuff. Regarding the Miller stuff, we I was hoping that we would tackle the triple hops. So again, I th- think those are three different hops that they use for the Pilsner. Hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that the, when they say when they say triple hops, because they're using, well, they say triple hops, but Miller is by no way hoppy at all. And there's other beers that probably only use one hop, like the IPA guys, and they're crazy hoppy. Right. Which I like on occasion. The light beers that people like, well, I say people like just light beers in general. Um, one of the things that makes them light beer is that they're, they're less malty. They don't weigh as much. So you can, the bitterness of a beer is, is balanced by the malt. So, you know, you put in a little malt. So again, Miller light, you really, you really wouldn't consider it very bitter. Right. More crisp. I haven't had a, I haven't had a Miller in a long time, but I wouldn't consider it. I've I've got one right here because (laughs) when this Maritzu starts hitting me like a sack of potatoes, I'm like, I need some water in me. I have a... Take a sip of my Miller Lite. I have a full day plan. I have to, I'm cooking dinner later. I have all kinds of things. And so I, I don't think I'm going to be having two, three, four <laughs> Brother Thelonious North Coast Belgium style Abbey Ales. It's very Not delicious. Not if you want to stay vertical. Right. Yeah. I have, I have things to do today. So delicious over here with this North Coast, <gasps> North Coast uh, brewing. However, there's a dog. They, they come in. They come in for. They don't don't blame my dog. Your dog's been going crazy all morning there, and so uh, yeah, my my dog probably maybe got into the brother Thelonious. All right, I'm gonna take a quick break. See if I can calm my dog down. Be right back. Hello, thank you for. We are back uh, from break on a doctor and lawyer walking to a podcast. We've had some dog issues today, which is fine. Also, somebody decided to make a kettle of tea. Which I'm assuming, <laughs> I think that was a preemptive strike that somebody was like, "Oh, you're drinking nine point four percent. You're gonna need this. You're gonna need this tea later. You're gonna thank me. It's going. You're gonna act like you're irritated that the tea kettle is going off now. But later on, when you're laying on the floor praying, for, <laughs> praying for death, you'll be like, "Oh, I'm glad there's some tea ready. Or maybe it's just boiling water that I can splash in my face <laughs> when I'm like bursting through the wall." Like the Kool-Aid man, they'll just the family is gonna throw boil water on me to to, to simmer me down. <laughs> well, uh now that the dog's taken care of. Um meal of the week. I went out last night with the wife. I uh, went to a place called Sear Steakhouse. It's a new steakhouse out here by where I live, and had myself a Delmonico steak. I saw the uh, pic. Oh, it was gorgeous. It was fantastic. I don't know what this chef did, but that like outer layer of the steak where they sear it, it was like crispy and the inside was like perfect medium rare, had the Bernay sauce on the side, cream spinach, uh, a nice old fashioned. It was 
okay it, it, it was it, a smoked old-fashioned by the way oh there you go yeah it, it i uh, i love bernay sauce i used to go to ruth chris's probably three four times a year and they had this like steak medallions that they would bring out mm -hmm. they had this uh you know like the mushroom gravy sauce or whatever eventually i landed on just give me the bernay sauce the Bernays sauce is amazing. I have tried to make it at home a few times. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to get just right. So Bernays sauce wise at home, I have not been able to really do it. But yeah, that, that steak looks fantastic. And it's very, very difficult to get that perfect, that charred on mm -hmm. the steak. Plus the inside is not too overdone. So as soon as I saw the pick, I was like, oh, this, this chef is absolutely, he's a steak guy. He knows what he's doing. Or, 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 or lady, you know, ladies make steaks sometimes. So, <laughs> uh, it was, no, it looked gorgeous. And then you're, uh, are you, are you medium rare guy? Uh, typically medium rare or rare. I knew with, oh. the, Delmo with the Delmonico, <laughs> it's a little bit bigger, closer to, a, closer to a ribeye. So I was like, I'll do medium rare because that's kind of your ideal for a chef. And like, if they can pull this off, I'll know that they're good. And right. they knocked it out of the park. I'm going to make a lot of people angry. For a lot of my life, a great portion of my life, I was medium, medium rare on steaks, bloody, bloody-ish. But the older mm -hmm. I got, the the more uh, cooked I wanted my steaks, and especially the more that I that I cook at home. And now I am a... Everybody strap in angry oh, steak people. Don't do it. Well done, steak man. Thank you very oh, much. I would like I would like my much, steak to how not much A1 be one sauce do you put on it? The appropriate amount, just a regular, not <laughs> not a not a full dollop, just a regular dollop. I don't want my steak to be bloody. I don't like my steak to to be to to be mooing in any way, shape, or form. And so that's just something that I've landed on over the years that you go from it's a very short sojourn to go from medium to medium well and then you're like yeah well well ish i just don't want i don't you're want just any like chewing on it no i can make it where it's well done and it's right on the money and it's not chewy and it's not too bloody i know i know how to do it uh that's just that's just something i've landed on over the years and i understand that it's a point of contention had you know 25 year old me speaking to me now just be like what are you doing no mm -hmm. sacrilege if you I, ever make me a steak like that you better have like a side of mayo for me to dip my, uh, <laughs> my well-done leather you're just gonna into. right in front of my face you're just gonna be like this mayo is the best <laughs> <laughs> so, that was my that was my hate meal from last week i was waiting for the mayo people to to gather around my house <laughs> waiting for the <laughs> waiting for the mayo cartel to to get the uh sniper guy to have a laser pointer on me as i try to leave my house uh yeah i've, I've landed on on well done steaks in the last few years and i've made my peace with that and i'm very happy and i have my marinating process and everything happy to you know what i know a lot of people that are crazy about this i am not a well it's a secret sort of thing when it comes to cooking i'm very happy to give away secrets about i think that if you can, you can, if you can marinate your steaks with butter and red wine the night before, absolutely do that. Real garlic. You know, I use the minced garlic out of a jar. I say a jar. It's like a, like a plastic jar overnight. I have an overnight process for all of that. 
But what you sent me, that picture, it's very, very hard to recreate that, that perfect crisp on the outside mm -hmm. with the, uh, yeah, uh, with the Bernays sauce also very, very difficult to do. But I will be doing chicken kebabs tonight. And that's fun and easy. I do two separate. I do um, I do barbecue chicken. So I'll marinate that here in a little bit with uh, barbecue sauce. I like a peppery barbecue sauce. I do not like a sweet barbecue sauce on anything ever. I don't think barbecue sauce should be sweet. And also, I'm not a fan of things. I, like we talked about with briskets, I know people do um, brown sugar, things like that. Mm -hmm. Not really. I'm not big on that. I don't, I don't think that any entree i don't know if any entree should ever be sweet in any way shape or form so it's sweet is for dessert and the other batch of chicken that i'm going to do will be a, a teriyaki ginger teriyaki soy chicken so i'll have barbecue okay. chicken kebabs and what i call asian also asian i go with the low sodium soy sauce soy sauce yeah the green the green top the green I don't one know. yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Chinese food and Thai food places for the amount of Chinese and Thai food that I eat that they act um, just shocked. You know, give me the green top and they act like that it doesn't exist. So <laughs> yeah, low. There's enough salt in regular soy sauce. Everybody, you don't have to get the the red top. Just get get the green top. So yeah, I will be rocking uh, uh, kebabs later tonight. Very excited on the grill. Basically, it's all prep work. Once the prep work is done, then you plug and chug on your on your metal skewers. I don't like sautéed spinach. That's weird. And uh, what'd you get? Did you get a baked potato? No, no, cream spinach. I love it. Now I will say but, this: cream spinach from uh, what you Ruth Chris, mm -hmm. probably the best I've ever had. So I get it at other steakhouses to try it. I haven't found any that are as good as Ruth's Chris. That's kind of my, my benchmark. Uh, even with their steaks, I feel like it's their benchmark. Like whatever temp you tell them, they're going to make it perfect every time. The steakhouse last night was right on the money with it. So good job, okay. Sear. Yeah, I, we are we are going to that steakhouse first whenever I get up there. Absolutely. Uh, tonight, I'm actually going to... Uh, Brazilian steakhouse, Fogo de Chao. So they have the, big, the big swords of meat that they come to your table. and Yeah, love just, that. You just have a little card that you keep it on green and they keep feeding you meat and you flip it on red, they stop. Should... I need more meals served to me on a sword, by the way. I feel like that's something I need. I need more of that in my life. Yeah, and they wear the, you know, the, the, the kilt. I guess, is it kilts or, or they wear like MC Hammer pants? I'll have to look it up again. Because I'll that's what picture. they do. In, is that what they do in Brazil? That's I, authentic. I, I assume so. So buyer beware on the Fogo de Chao. I'm a huge fan. But that being said, you know, they're, they're bringing out a menagerie. They're bringing out a... Uh, uh, um, plethora? Plethora. A uh, menagerie Smorgasbord. Oh, I had it. I had it. My, Cornic my point... Cornucopia? 9.4% has not kicked me in that much. Uh, menagerie of animals. You're welcome, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to bring out a bunch of stuff that you don't – it's just filler. Just yeah. heads up that you don't need all – you don't need that stupid chicken. Get that stupid chicken out of here. The sausage. For me. <laughs> yeah, you don't need sauce. You got sausage at the house. 
go get a child for me. I'm always like, all right, just bring me the bring me the lamb. I just put my hand on the plate and say, no, no, thank you. I don't want chicken guy with the dress <laughs> and a sword. No, thank you to that. We shut it down. And the whole time it's like, bring me the lamb, bring me the lamb, bring me the lamb, bring me the lamb. So yeah, Fogo de Chow, you know, the beef and things like that are great. But the lamb. The uh, meat lollipops. The, oh, yeah. Those are fantastic for sure. And they, I'm sure they've done all the research that they know. Hey, uh, hit them with the chicken like three or four times before <laughs> Bring you them eight, eight bowls of bread. <laughs> yeah. They know what they're doing. So yeah. Fogarty chow for myself or places like that. Any Brazilian steakhouse, obviously the Brazilians, they're amazing at steak and amazing at red wine. All of that. I'm not there's really, a, there's a bunch of them too. It's, there's a whole Brazilian of them. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which is a lot. So let me know how your how your Fogate child goes, but definitely stay away from the bread, all the filler. You know, get through the gimmicks. Just tell them, hey, 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 hey I've been here before, guys. I know what I'm doing. Just <laughs> give me the lamb, and no one gets hurt. That's right. Um. Oh, is it time? I am skipping product review. I don't have anything, but otherwise, are you going to do any weird noises or? Mm-hmm. There we go. Yes, it is this week in history time, and we're going to kick things off. We I apologize profusely that we're kind of running behind in the last week or so with summer, and we had graduation this last week, and so last week's episode got pushed, and we landed on that we actually recorded on Memorial Day, and so we barely got to mention Memorial Day the first one ever was 1868 president andrew johnson quite a character he was uh, he was he was president at that time and that one was done at arlington national cemetery i worked for this last memorial day and nothing uh nothing too crazy on my end i was happy to celebrate as soon as i got out of work but yeah i was uh, unfortunately working on actual memorial day um, and it was originally known as Decoration Day. Uh, it wasn't until the turn of the century that it was designated as Memorial Day. And in 1966, Congress and President LBJ declared Waterloo, New York, the birthplace of Memorial Day. There, a ceremony on May 5th, 1866, honored local Page 2 veterans who'd fought in the Civil War businesses closed and residents flew their flags at half staff. So, uh, so that's, a, that's a little crazy because, so the first one was 1868. That's President Andrew Johnson who took over for Lincoln, who had mm-hmm. been assassinated. So then Congress declares it for 1966, uh, Lyndon Johnson, who was president after JFK, who had just been assassinated a few years previous to that. Yes. Who both had, so the, the, the two guys, well, I say the, the two guys, uh, two, two of the presidents that ended up having memorials were both leading up to the actual days in their own way. 9.4%, everyone. That's what, I, that's what I've been dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make sense when you listen to it. Sean Esquire does our editing, so every week I'm just texting him at two in the morning, like, "Can you please edit that?" <laughs> God damn it, dog! Can you stop? We're not doing squeaky toy today. I'm sorry. 
Um, you have on here June the 2nd, 1865 was not the end of the Civil War. Okay, so here's the thing. Sean Esquire and I, every week we text each other, we get a list um, for uh, for the tried and true fans that have been with us from day one. Once upon a time, we used to do history of the day or, or this day in history. And then with our busy schedules and everything, we said, well, let's let's start tackling this week in history. It'll give us a little bit uh, more of a myriad, a myriad, mm-hmm. not a menagerie, a myriad of of things to choose from since we both love history let me tell you and so i initially i read oh the end of the civil war and we both love civil war but in the back of my head i thought june the second what the hell that doesn't sound right at all i'm gonna say right now that i had read this june the second 1865 in the civil war bullshit i'm calling bullshit right now start with the beginning of civil war eight April 12, 1861. So this is, as we all know, this is when the Confederates attacked Fort Sumner in South Carolina. Uh, Confederate General, I just kind of like this guy's name, Pierre G.T. Beauregard. That's a very, it's like a racist son of a bitch kind of a name. (laughs) Beauregard, right? So this is the, that's the start. And then obviously everything that happened, we had four years of civil war now there's a lot of just like we talked about with World War II, there was three major capitulations, sort of the surrender of of World War II. I feel as we study history, there's a lot of people that try to shoehorn in on history. They're like, okay, so this is the this is the last day, but 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 actually there was another battle like a week later, and so this is what happened with this. April the 9th, eighteen sixty five. This is really for all intents and purposes the the end of the civil war and by the way also i'm going to throw in again a caveat of 9.4 percent alcohol uh that i know for a fact that it's all uh intense and purposes mm-hmm. but i like uh, intensive purposes just sounds cooler <laughs> these purposes they are intensive by the way right so i will say that and i want people to know that i know the correct intense and purposes intensive purposes just fun to say so april 9 1865 robert e lee surrenders to uh ulysses s grant uh, grant by the way was later the 18th president of the u.s there's a whole story there that we're going to get into later on about they were exchanging letters <laughs> i don't even know that's one of the amazing things about the american civil war it's not like any other war because when it's not like Hitler was exchanging letters with the U.S. At the, in the last days of World War II, but the last days of Civil War, then Robert E. Lee and U- U- Ulysses S. Grant, they were exchanging letters and basically saying, hey, 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 um, come on, you're losing. You need to wrap it up there. So that was going on. Then um, Grant, he uh, he kind of, writes up the whole surrender. This is April, April, the, uh, April, the 9th, 1865. And that's the, that's the end. He does a lot of cool things. He, he lets the, he lets officers keep their swords and things like that. That was a whole to do because Ulysses, he just shows up with his, with his garb. All of this is back in April, June, June two is nothing. May 13th, 1865. This is the last battle. This is really the last battle of civil war. This is the one that we all know. Palmetto, 
Ranch down here in Texas. This is outside of Brownsville. There's a whole story on that that we'll cover one day. It was just kind of a BS. I say it was a BS battle, but that was the last guy, the last um, Union person to die was Union Private John Williams, last man to die in Civil War, May 13, 1865. June 2, 1865 was the surrender of the last major Confederate command. And so, again, I'm calling bullshit. Flash forward, August 20th, 1866. They went all the way. A year. To, yeah. So now, so now Lincoln's been assassinated and everything else. August 20th, 1866, President Johnson, he says, hey, this is the final, final, official, official, official end of the war, guys. It's done. So April 9th, 1865. The generals get together. It's pretty much done. There's some bullshit after that. Then there's the final battle. This June 2nd thing, I'm not buying that at all. And then we'll, we'll touch on it now. Eventually, I think we'll, we'll have a complete episode dedicated to the, the, real, the real deal Civil War episode will come. But 620,000 Union and Confederates died throughout the, uh, throughout the Civil War. And June 2nd, I don't want to say it had... I don't want to say it had nothing to do with anything, but really... In the pantheon of end of the war, it's really not in there. It's the surrender of the last major Confederate command, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, sorry about that, everybody. I was very I was very upset that that had made it onto the list. And then <laughs> many hours later, I'm like, no, shouldn't be on the list. <laughs> uh, June 3rd, 1965, first American spacewalk with Edward White II. Yeah, this is a true, real deal, uh, big day in American history. The Russians, all right, this is the this is the space race of the '60s. The Russians had Alexei Leonov, L-E-O-N-O-V, Leonov, first man. He floated around space, right? They went up there and in their Russian space thing, he he floated around. But he didn't have a jet propulsion thing to take him around. So the Russians are like, oh, we're the, we did we did the first man mission, the, f- the first man space. I they mean, sh- they shove him outside with a rope. Yeah, <laughs> pull, he probably pull yourself back in. It's not real. It's not a real. So the Russians said, oh, we got the first man space walk. And like, that's eh, not really a space. I mean, if you're doing it without a jet propulsion system, does it even count? I say no. I say no. Probably the U.S. is number one. June 3rd, 1965, one of the greatest Americans in the history of America, because I love all things space and uh, all things space history, Edward White II on the Gemini 4 mission. He goes out uh, uh, with the, uh, he has a 25 foot, they called it an umbilical line. Edward White II, great American, born in San Antonio, Texas in 1930. And tragically died. He was uh, one of the three that died from the Apollo 1 tragedy, along with Gus Grissom and Roger Chaffee on January the 27th, 1967. Shine Esquire, I was very excited to read about the first American spacewalk for June 3rd, 1965. Then I started going down the rabbit hole of the Apollo 1 tragedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, holy mackerel, everybody. I had not started getting into my 9.4% beer yet. Thank God. If I had, I would be very, very, very devastated. Obviously, the Apollo 1 tragedy is horrible in and of itself. But what I didn't know is that the 
audio is online. You know, this is that uh, Edward White, he, he yelled uh, fire or flames. And uh, just don't, you know, if you're like me and you're very rabbit holeish and you start clicking on things and clicking on things and I, I want to read this and I want to watch the real video, just don't do that. Some, some things better left alone. So uh, I was very, very happy to read about Edward White's first spacewalk. Then started going down Apollo 1 and that tragedy. Don't click on any of the audio things and, and that stuff. It was just gut-wrenching, absolutely horrible. So yeah, God bless, God bless the, America and the, and the, and Gus Grisham, Roger Chaffee and uh, Edward White, who passed away on January 27, 1967 from Apollo one tragedy. They cooked alive inside of uh, the Apollo one capsule. They did say uh, the article that I read about it said that the flames from the fire in the cockpit weren't, I guess wouldn't be bad enough that that would have killed him. It was actually the carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide from the smoke and things burning up that actually caused their death. Either way, it sucks. I mean, I hope I, I just I just hope that it was fast and painless. I really mm -hmm. do that. You know, the things that I had read were that inside the capsule they had, for whatever reason, they decided to have a hundred percent oxygen. <laughs> all these just the worst place any any spark this is the 1960s right we're trying to go to the moon we're trying to right. we're trying to create and that by the way that that tragedy almost damn near shut down the whole space program that wow. uh, those those three american heroes cooked alive inside of the capsule at cape canaveral so that was that was almost the end of the entire space program but thank god we had a number of american heroes that came after them yeah Anything else for history, Doctor Blom? I don't have anything, uh, anything too much, but I, I do want to say an advanced mea copa that we both had a very busy week this week, and so next episode, I promise everybody that we want to cover the Tulsa race massacre from 1921, and this is something that has it's gotten some press over the last few years. It needs to get more press. We want to be we want to be part of that for sure. So I feel like we need to have real time. I don't I don't want to just skim over the details of the Tulsa race massacre. This is May 31, 1921. And it's really just started to get some, I say, decent press, some OK press in the last 10 years or so. But uh, this is something, you know, we, we had to kind of back burner this last week with the uh, or the first Memorial Day ever. I'm not trying to backburner this, but I, I don't want to just glaze over the details. And so next episode, we, we will be spending more time on the uh, Tulsa race massacre. And uh, this is a, a tragic, tragic day. And I think also maybe there's part of me that I'm just upset about the Apollo one. I'm like, how many heavy things can we do in one episode? <laughs> like Apollo one was only three souls were lost on that day. And I want to, uh, I want to not do too many heavy things. Per episode but yeah we we will absolutely be spending the appropriate amount of time that the tulsa race massacre deserves on on next episode so everyone just uh sit tight i promise you we're going to be getting to that all right on that i think we can take a quick break and i'll hit major current events we'll be right back everyone and we are back to a doctor and a lawyer walk into a podcast great break and uh, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm trying to get my dog to relax. And the uh, tea kettle 
is all done. My uh, my Earl Grey will be ready for me very soon. I'm I'm very excited. And Sean Esquire is going to bring us up to speed on current events because I'm I don't know what's going on in the world. I, I assume I I assume our our trusted lawyer friend is going to bring us up to speed on everything. Current events, which are events that are current. So current. Um, We're still on the Texas attorney general, Ken Paxton. Last week we covered that he was impeached by the Texas house of representatives. Nothing else going on in the world. It's all about Ken Paxton right now, everybody all about Ken Paxton. So once he was impeached, uh, basically he's put on suspension. uh, So he can't do any official duties as the attorney general of Texas. He doesn't receive his annual salary, which Dr. Blom, do you know what the Attorney General of Texas annual salary is? School superintendents make a good chunk of change. I'm going to guess it's around 400K. $153,750. Okay. He has like three or four mansions, by the way. So he's getting money other places. Some Something's coming from under the table. Um, the Texas side that's actually going to be prosecuting, I say prosecuting, but trying to prove their case to the Senate. So the way it works, the House of Representatives is the one that files articles of impeachment. They vote on it. It's basically, is there enough of an allegation here that he should be impeached, which they said yes, then it's up to the Senate to actually confirm that uh, for a trial. So I have I have questions. Go. So he has 20 accusations against him or 20 indictments against him right now, right? Beyond the other stuff, because he, he had stuff leading up to the last week or so. It's not like everything started in the last week or so. Articles of impeachment. So different from indictment, indictments, criminal matter. Um, indictments are handed down by a grand jury. They just determine, is there probable cause? So is it probable a crime was committed? Grand jury would say yes. It then goes to a district attorney's office to prosecute. And then it's up to a judge or jury who's sitting on that case to determine whether there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt that they did it. He had, he had criminal things that were pending up until all of this, the latest stuff, right? Yeah. He still is under criminal indictment out of Collin County, Texas for securities fraud. The indictment is not, is not a, I'm guessing they're not felonies or what it was different. Like an, an indictment, an accusation, an article of impeachment. There's a bunch of uh, like so, lawyer talk going on here. Um, so criminal law is if they charge you with a misdemeanor that doesn't go through a grand jury process, they, the state charges you by an information and complaint. And that's what the allegations based. It's usually based off a of probable cause affidavit that an uh, arresting agency. So a police department makes an arrest they write their probable cause affidavit, why they think this person should be charged. And then the DA's office does a complaint and information. And that's what's presented as the charging document. In a felony case, that case does go to a grand jury. So it's 12 members that you don't know who they are in the public. It's behind closed doors. Defense counsel's not allowed in there. They review the probable cause affidavit and what other evidence, information, testimony they want to hear. And then they either issue a true bill, meaning 
there is enough evidence here to substantiate at least a, an allegation, and then it goes forward to the courts for actual prosecution. If the grand jury says there's not enough evidence here, we don't believe there's probable cause, they will issue a no bill of indictment, meaning there is no evidence, the case doesn't go forward any further. So indictments are felony criminal charges. Ken Paxton is under indictment out of Collin County for securities fraud, but that case has not been settled. So we have 20 articles impeachment against him that were filed. That was the end of May. But preceding that, he had a whole, I don't know if it was one or two or three charges before, even leading up to the 20 articles of impeachment, he still had other proceedings going on. Correct. But this guy is, he's still, is he still working? Is he still like uh, he, he, doing... he was up until last week. Okay. And now he has a guy that's taken over for him, a person that's yes. taken over for him. Now there's an interim acting attorney general since he's been suspended of his duties. What was the charge or charges before the 20 articles of impeachment from this? Sec- uh, from... Securities fraud. So the securities fraud, that was that him trying to pay off that attorney and all that other, that they brought in another attorney, even though he's an attorney, he doesn't no. need another attorney? No, that was something totally different. Yeah, this guy has so many things against him that I can't keep track of of the felonies and the, <laughs> and the articles of impeachment and everything else. So the Texas Senate... Now that he's been impeached, they will hear the actual trial on the articles of impeachment sometime before, I think August 12th is the date that they said, August 12th or 18th, they said this case has got to be heard before then. So at 20, some point, 20 articles of impeachment. Right. So at some point, the Senate will convene to hear this that trial for the impeachment proceedings, and the state has hired legendary Texas lawyers Dick DeGarren and Rusty Harden, who are both uh, well-established criminal defense attorneys. They're being brought in essentially as like special prosecutors to try to prosecute the attorney general of Texas. Or Rusty, Rusty Harden. Rusty Harden's going take down Paxton. That's a great name, by the way. Yes. So both of these attorneys, legendary, well-known Texas, over 100 years of legal experience. They're both out of Houston, so Harris County. DeGarren, he's defended individuals such as Tom DeLay, U.S. Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson, New York real estate mogul Robert Durst, and David Koresh. Oh, Um, wow. So this is Koresh's attorney that's going to be trying to prove Ken Paxton did what he did. So these these superstar lawyers, have they done both? Like once upon a time, they were prosecuting guys, and then eventually they switched over to criminal defense? I'll have to look on their follow-up. That'll probably be my follow-up for next week. Most of the time when you've got defense attorneys like that, they usually have worked in the DA's office or done something on the prosecution side first. The other one, Harden, uh, he's defended Arthur Anderson, which was the accounting firm, um, in regard with uh, dealing with Enron, the whole Enron oh, yeah. energy scandal. It's a big uh, case. Defending Deshaun Watson, uh, the quarterback of the Houston Texans, facing the sexual assault allegations. Uh, Wade Boggs. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Doctor Blonde. Baseball man. Yeah, I'm a big they, baseball guy. And uh, he was in uh, the estate of Texas. Uh, millionaire J. Howard Marshall involved in the dispute with Anna Nicole Smith. So <laughs> yeah. th- both of these guys are 
These the, are your rock stars. These guys the, are like your okay. Yeah. So this kind of tells you that the Texas House, they're not really playing around with this. The, you, you know, the, these aren't the five-year attorney with no prosecuting experience hired by the attorney general. Uh, these are rock star. No, lawyers. this story. This story is huge. The attorney general of Texas has allegedly broken so many laws that they're calling in. These are probably like the two biggest rock stars in the history of criminal defense that are still alive in the state of Texas. I'm going to guess that I'm going to guess that these guys have some Republican ties or some Republican backings or whatever. But also, I'm going to also assume that none of that matters that they're calling in. These are this is the the sniper team, the SEAL team, six guys that are going to they're going to take down Paxton. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly and these guys are, as of right now, they're they're being funded publicly. Like the Texas tax tax dollars are paying for these superstar lawyers. I believe so. Um, these aren't these aren't uh, private um, charges against Paxton. These are public charges, ergo public dollars. Right. And so proceedings wise, we're probably this isn't going to be like an O.J. Simpson trial where there's cameras and this this is all going to be closed door stuff. You know, that's what I'm curious about. You know, the whole uh, articles of impeachment hearing with the House was all in public. I assume that the Senate trial will be publicly viewed as well. And I would think you'd want it for both sides, right? Like if your argument is they don't have evidence to substantiate these allegations, if you're Ken Paxton, you want this out there in public because you want people to see the truth and what happened. If they're alleging he did commit all these violations you also want that out there in the public to show we don't want this type of rep you know top attorney general for the state of texas we don't want somebody like this in this position ever again and we're going to make this public if you commit you know fraud i just want to stress to everyone we're not we're not writing this story just because it's texas but this is all super bowl super bowl rock star seal team six lawyers this is the the heaviest lawyer at the level of texas legislation going toe-to-toe -to -toe with these other heavy heavy like the heaviest hitter attorneys all fighting each other so in terms of law stuff i'm sure law students and people that are uh coming coming into the law realm fresh this is it's pretty heavy. I'm, I'm not this a law guy. This is going to be interesting. Yeah. This is a this is big historic stuff, not just for the state of Texas, but I think for the entire country in general. That probably no other state has had an attorney general that is dealing with all of these charges, and they're calling in these heavy duty lawyers. So, to me, as a not lawyer guy, I feel like this is the O.J. Simpson trial with the Menendez trial versus because there's real deal criminal. Um possibilities here real deal mm -hmm. uh, uh possibilities and can can you give me an idea can you give us an idea of worst case scenario he goes to jail for a, a thousand years so yeah. these, because there's crim, there's criminal charges here so worst case you know which isn't going to happen that he would go to jail or whatever but what do you think best case scenario worst case scenario how does it play out i i, I don't know I, I guess what i need to find out is these criminal allegations where I think he, you would actually seriously look at some type of time would be the federal 
whistleblower allegations, if they uncover something, some federal law that was broken, I think that's going to put them in a lot more hot water than just the state of Texas. Um, so I, like I said, I, I don't know what their, their evidence is. We, we don't know yet. We know, you know, they've made these allegations. The Senate trial is going to be what all is the evidence to substantiate it. And do you get into stuff that now turns from just a, you, you know, abuse of office, uh, things like that, that could be federal violations. He could be looking at time. And when you say they, we always use this very ubiquitous, nefarious they whenever we talk about whatever cases, even like in the medical community, we do the same thing. Um, But for him, we say when they charged XYZ or when when they accused XY, when when they threw out XYZ, they, in this case, this is the House, this is Democrats going after him. This was a a 12-member committee that reviewed it uh, i believe it was seven republicans five democrats so it's a bipartisan committee that then said yeah there's obviously what they believe 20 violations here for impeachment and that's what was presented to the texas house of representatives to vote on so the house is saying he committed all these violations we have evidence to support it they don't need to present all that evidence in the house it's just, is there enough here to assume something was violated, enough votes? I mean, it was pretty much a landslide vote in the House of Representatives that they, the House says, we believe he committed 20 violations just based on what we've heard now. So now it goes to the Senate, and now they've got to present all of their evidence. And the House is, is a Republican majority in yes. Texas. Yes. Yeah, so we have we have a... Republican majority house going after a very, very, very Republican, uh, attorney general. And on top of that, these 20 articles of impeachment, this is beyond the previous accusations from a year ago, two years ago, everything like that. So this is not that, that Paxton is just dealing with one or two things in the last couple of weeks. He's had a number of things over the last year or two years that just, uh, quite frankly, they smell to high hell. But I also, I always wonder on these, why now, what's going on, what's the real story? You know, we always talk mm-hmm. about with media, you know, what's the information, what's the dis, dis, <laughs> disinformation. So there's always that as well. There, you know, any kind of big revelation like this, I always think, well, why now, what's going on? So there's right. that. What, what exactly is he is he tied up in? Well, and, and we know that this kind of came after... Um, Dade Phelan's, you know, incident on the House floor, they present who was the Texas House Speaker. He was supposedly drunk and or having a stroke. And after that incident is when Ken Paxton called for him to resign, called for Dave Phelan to resign. And yeah, they said they said, Well, okay, we've got we got this guy that clearly is drunk, probably not having a stroke. And they said, Okay, that's fine. Boom. 20 articles of impeachment against, against Madison, just like <laughs> right. that. So again, when I say, when I say they, I'm like, where are these articles of impeachment coming from? Number one, who is they, this is something, you know, whenever you hear any news story whatsoever, who is they number one and number two, why, why now what's going on that it's not particularly Paxson is not a Johnny come lately. He's been around for a while. Right. 
I think that he has pissed off enough powerful people that it has come to fruition. And then whatever was going on with the charges from a year ago, two years ago. And again, I don't know if those are exactly criminal charges. I feel like they're not, some of them are, these are the rules of, of government, Mm -hmm. but you, you don't feel like they're real criminal charges. The ones from last year, two years ago. I don't know. Um, The deal involving hiring the young attorney to prosecute his real estate developer buddy, and you're using taxpayer funds to hire that outside counsel, there could be an abuse of power there. Um, That's a felony. Yes. Yeah. We don't want our government officials abusing their office. I would be very interested to find out the timeline of all of these events because, mm-hmm. as we as we discussed last time, Paxton's wife is a te- is a state senator, right? Yep. Yeah, she would be hearing so, his trial. When yeah, so that to me is is crazy pants in and of itself. Just that one that one factoid, but also when did she find out about the mistress? She found out about the mistress on April the second, and then April the third, twenty. 20 indictments what what is that where's this coming no, from <laughs> i i think the whole mistress thing was from like a year or two ago i'd have to look right at that. but a year or two ago is when the shit started to hit the fan for him that, that you know well, it came out of this the... i think the securities fraud thing has been going on for like four years or something four, mm-hmm. it's been a long time no the securities fraud thing I, i've been hearing for quite some time mm-hmm. and it was at least out of the gates it was well is this a nothing burger or whatever else so I don't know. This is a very highly, highly ranking government official. Every couple of months, there's more charges and more charges. And so I don't think he's going to get off with a slap on the wrist. Number one and number two, Texas being what Texas is, people are going to be out for blood. If this guy did any kind of real malfeasance, they're going to, they're going to want, it's not going to be like, Oh, he loses his, his, uh, he loses his law license. He can't practice law again. I think it's going to be a real, a real thing. I, I hope. I really do. Well, uh, the good thing is we know that this trial is going to be held before August ends. So we're going to have some resolution to this within the next three months. So when you say the trial, you mean the trial to move forward or like the trial trial? The the trial in the Senate, whether he did commit these impeachment violations. Wow. So in a perfect world, there's he could face real jail time, even though. You know, it's mm-hmm. like many, many other things that you just kind of say, ah, I doubt it. <laughs> um, also, breaking news, Dr. Blom, within the last hour, the U.S. President Joe Biden signed the bipartisan bill to raise the debt ceiling so we're not all going to die. A doctor and a lawyer walk into a podcast, fans. Not a lot of people are on top of the news like we are (laughs) this just this story just broke uh i'm about halfway into my second 9.4 percent beer and um i'm just gonna throw that out there it's not i'm not i i can't say for a fact that we beat cnn on the breaking news part of this (laughs) we might be like seconds behind them on this i mean no one no one knows but this is classic this is what the u.s does um I had sent it to you. I texted you a week or two weeks ago and I said, Oh, how many times has the U S done this, uh, raising the debt ceiling thing? They should since... rename it now the debt sunroof. Cause yeah. 
you just keep opening it and keep sending it up. It's something insane. I think it's like 80 times in the last 60 years or something ridiculous. So the best thing on this is to break it down like a regular person. Hey, here's a credit card. Hey, please pay off your credit card. And you say, or, or I could just raise the limit of my credit card. <laughs> no, that's d- don't do that. That's dumb. And that's what the United States has done with debt. And uh, to a greater, to a greater extent, that's what uh, a lot of, I understand people have put things on credit cards, but the United States government doing it and going up on the, uh, on the debt ceiling, going up on the debt ceiling is not any way for us to operate. I think that the government should be cutting government left and right, including defense. That might be an unpopular sentiment in this day and age. But when you look at your bills for your house and you say, oh, these credit cards are out of control. One of the first things that you're going to do is say, well, what am I spending the most amount of money on and how can I cut that? So I really hope in this day and age that we have this new generation of politicians going into D.C., state government, federal government, that they, they are putting national debt, national finances at the top of the list because there is no way around it. You have to cut federal spending, period. There's constantly talk about like, oh, we need to tax billionaires more. We need to tax Walmart, Walmart more. We need more taxes for this and more taxes for that. More tax, more property taxes. All of those things are dumb, everyone. There should, there should be no taxes. I say no, no new taxes. We shouldn't be taxing billionaires more. We shouldn't be taxing uh, income tax more, property tax more. There should be across the board cutting taxes, period. And then on top of that, you have to cut spending. And the only way to cut spending is to cut a number of government programs. And that's, uh, I'm, I'm throwing the gauntlet down and anybody, feel free to come at me. There's a, <laughs> well, you know, in the olden days, it was insane that they said, oh, well, there's going to be an income tax, right? So, oh, the, the money that you make, we're, we're going to tax your income. And in the, in the very, very early days, Sean Esquire, what was the purpose of income tax? Um, to fund the federal government? To fund the Civil War. It was very, and it was very, very... <laughs> Yes, to to fund the Civil War effort, yeah. So the for the United States, the uh, the income tax, the purpose was it was I don't I don't know if it was like a penny or I'm sorry a penny I don't, I don't think it was like a percent, and it really didn't apply to about ninety percent of the population. It was a very quote unquote reasonable tax, and it had an end date. The purpose of the tax was to fund the Civil War effort. Uh, for uh, for the uh, for the Union troops and everything like that, but the United States got a little taste, and they said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna go up." And then since then, look at if you look at nothing else, you, now we have property tax, we have sales tax, we have inheritance tax, we have all these taxes, and so it's just gotten. When was the last time you saw any tax get cut at all ever? Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. This this week, this week, oh, Texas. Texas. Texas is trying to cut uh, property trying. tax, trying. trying with a capital T, yes. And also, people might not like this. This is, by and large, Republican-led. 
Republicans are trying to, and not all of them, you can't just say, well, all of the Republicans are trying to give us our money back for owning property. There's a number of Republicans that are trying to get us money back for the, for the crime of owning property. And so again, people say, oh, we need more taxes for this and this. At no point in any argument or discussion should you be saying anyone should be paying more taxes. No one, no one, the United States government and state governments and county governments, all the governments, they have enough tax money as is, period. If they think that they need more tax, whether they think it or not, they need to cut their spending, period. This is a government that spends, we've, I, I've made jokes about they had the uh, $2,000 coffee cups for the Air Force, things like yeah. that. So yeah, this is how government gets away from what the founding fathers wanted. Texas did um, raise taxes, though, on electric vehicles starting September 1 of this year. Um, so if you buy an EV, you pay, I think it's $400 to register your EV. Uh, and then subsequently, if you're renewing registration, you pay an additional $200 fee. I mean, that's the oil cartel 101. Yeah, since you're not paying gas tax. Right. And yeah, so fans of our podcast, I'll tell you, whenever the news is telling you, whenever mass media is telling you, uh, oh, look at this, uh, uh, George Clooney is getting a divorce or whatever. That's what's really going on. Start looking for the real story because George Clooney is not real. That's. Yes, right. That's the conspiracy. Uh, yeah, they push they push all of these stupid, stupid celebrity news things. Meanwhile, your taxes are going up, and uh, the um, the electronic uh, the electric vehicle is they're getting they're getting stuck from the oil cartels or whatever else. And so these are real things that are happening right now that, that you know we are pissed off about. You should be pissed off about it as well. But no, more taxes is not the answer at all. Less government is the answer. Absolutely. Let's let's cut government because quite frankly, there's a number of places where we can cut government and we don't need to be giving our your your hard earned dollars that you fought hard, that you bust your ass to make that money. And you think that you should be giving more to a government that spends uh, money uh, to invade countries illegally and a number of other things. So uh, I, I would normally say, don't get me started. But do get me started. But but don't get me started after I've had two nine point four percent beers. Like you want to get like half of one nine point four percent. You're on two. Yeah. I'm still trying yeah. to finish my first one. Oh no 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 no. I've I've started number two and I'm just kind of looking at it. I'm just very like oh, please, <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> let's uh let's take our time on this. So I'm very happy if and again. There's the regular story, there's the information, there's the disinformation, there's everything in between. If Texas is cutting property taxes for, you know, blue collar America, great, do it. Cut property taxes, also cut income taxes, also cut sales taxes, cut more taxes and cut and cut government. But if this is going to be a thing where they're just kind of cutting taxes and we're, we're coming up on election season soon and it's this is just kind of a, a public relations gimmick we're going to be here to call out bullshit guys. All right. There's yeah, we, we are, we are here for you, America. We are pissed off on your behalf and we're, <laughs> we've, I've had it and I'm not going to take it anymore, especially when it comes to taxes. Um, in the next segment, 
I don't have anything in conspiracy theory, so maybe some follow-up would be, is George Clooney real? Um, I'll cover that next week. Um, so what you watching, Dr. Blom? I just rewatched The Thing from the 1980s. I think it's 1982, 1983, Kurt Russell's The Thing. Uh, Which thing? Um, the, the Thing. Uh, right. So it's a horror it's a horror movie it's actually it's actually based on an old horror movie i think the original one is from the 50s or 60s so and there's another the thing that came out in the early 2000s which is a prequel to the kurt russell thing uh so many things great great movie love they do a current they do a current one that's called that thing and it was talking about the old thing no, I think it's like the things. Like there's T H A N G Z. I think the there's thingy. things with a Z in there. And uh, I, you know, I love I love the 1980s, the thing with Kurt Russell. But also, I'm just jealous of uh, he had this awesome 80s hair, like this yeah. puffy this puffy mullet. But he also had this like, you know, they're they're scientists in and uh, Antarctica, and the aliens are there and everything like that. And uh, he's got this like, um. I've got a gun and I'm in Antarctica beard about him and it's summer in Texas. So I can't really do the beard right now. I never saw the thing, but if when you said the hair, you're talking like the hair from the movie overboard. Uh, no, it was even more Kurt Russell ish than, than Kurt. Right. If this is like, like guardians of the galaxy two. Yes. I think a lot like that. Yeah. And I, and I was telling the kids, I was like, Oh, you know that's uh that's the, the evil dad, Guardians of the Galaxy. They were like, "What?" You get to blow your <laughs> blow your kids' minds every now and then with with those factoids. So Look I at me very, with a uh, Marvel fact. I'm very upset with science in general. I was like, "Oh, we're we're gonna go to Mars." I'm like, "Can I have uh Kirk Kurt Russell 1983 hair?" I'm like, "No, you can't have that. You can't be. <laughs> you're not ready for that kind of responsibility." I'm like, "God damn it, science! Come on, really? What is the point of all of your microscopes and your and your lasers if you can't give me 1983 kurt russell the thing here never mind the the like the man beard so right. uh you know you don't have to interpret that everybody and turn into like a pride month thing i'm a grown man i could be very envious of 1983 kurt russell hair without you turning on the techno music and everything like that so you know love is love i'm allowed to be jealous of kurt russell's hair also scientists get on that i would like to have a very just like this crazy thick 1983 Kurt Russell mullet would be very nice. So the thing 1983 or 82, whatever it was also the other, the thing, the other thing was the lady was the prequel from 2010, 2011 ish, both great, both great movies. Uh, Oh, Holy hell. I finished succession and I feel like I can't really, I told you a thousand times. Will you finish it so we can talk about it? I haven't even started it. God damn it, dude. Like none of it? Zero? None no, of it? I haven't seen any of it. I've been too oh busy. God, been, been too busy it's, at all my other shows. You're watching your stupid Ted Lasso thing and all your <laughs> all your uh, over the deck or under the deck shows or whatever. Below deck. Below the deck. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Ted Lasso finished up this week with the okay. season finale and possibly series finale. We're not sure if they're going to do a spinoff but great show like yeah just hit you in your feels okay oh really it's that yeah. uh, that emo- it's supposed to be like a dumb comedy right 
Uh, it's comedy with some drama, with like just a feel good show. At the when you get to the end of each episode, you're like, I feel better about life. I like that actor. He's really good, and he's a funny yeah. dude. Um, Jason Sudeikis. Okay, yes, that guy. He's great. No, he yeah. was on Thirty Rock back in the day. He was in SNL. So he's great. He's a funny dude. He's very talented. He's a great actor. I just I haven't seen any of the Ted Lassos. I did finish Succession this last week along with whatever 25 million, 30 million other Americans. I have so much I have so much to say. You I assume that you had watched a season, two seasons, whatever. I didn't know that you were completely out of it. Yeah, know nothing about it. Oh man, I don't feel bad if I if I spoil any of it because I've been texting you for months and months. Like, get caught up. You need to. Is it is it two seasons? No, dude. We just finished the season. The series finale was season four. I've been texting you for months and months. I'm never gonna get through that. I'm like, tell tell me it's like a six part mini series or something. No, dude. I've been telling you for months and months. Like, I'm like, I don't want to give anything away. And now I feel like how long is each episode? It's ten minutes. Just watch all of them. Like as soon as as soon as yeah. If I can binge watch them in a week. No, it's a real, it's the best, it's the best drama. It is top three dramas in the last, I don't know, four or five years. I know we've, we talked about What's the, like the uh, plot the, line here. What, what, what kind of show? Okay. So it's a, it's a super billionaire fancy dude. Basically they, it's a, a facsimile of the Murdoch family for Fox news. That's what they're kind of, you know, quote unquote alluding to, or, so uh yeah this media conglomerate but here here's the show here's the show i'll give you the whole show the whole show so they have the old the old bear you know he's a billionaire and he he runs fox news they don't call it fox news they call it waystar and so he's like oh i'm the i'm old and it's i'm a billionaire it's my and then so he has uh three shit kids and then like three and a half because he has he has uh what's his name from uh from uh ferris bueller he as Cameron is the oldest son. He doesn't really matter. They're a uh, spoiler alert. All the kids, they're adult kids. They're dipshits in their own way. They're all, there's one line from him where he says, I love you, but you're not serious people. What he should be saying is I, I love you, but you're, you're all dipshits. And the whole show is I want to run dad's billionaire company. No, I want to run dad's billionaire company. That's it. There you go. That's the whole show. And I got sucked into. So it's like Billy Madison. Yeah, except there's three, four Billy Madisons and they're all dipshits and they're not funny and they're not going to do anything, you know, Billy Madison ish. Uh, So that's that's the whole show is. I want to run uh, dad's billionaire company. No, I do. I'm the best. And they're and they're all dumb. And it's none of them have any business running a. running a Kenny shoe, never mind a major media conglomerate. Oh, I thought this was like a state seceding from the union. Mm, kind of. I, it's just. <laughs> I had a completely yeah. different mindset going into this show. No, I mean, I guess you could maybe think of it like a metaphor like <laughs> I'm going to be in the no. third season going, hey, Blom, what state is going away? Doesn't matter, man. Just keep watching it. Let me know when you finish it so I can tell to you about the finale. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bazillion dollar media conglomerate. It's basically Fox News. They they have their because it's a conglomerate. They have their 
you know, their crew, their cruise division and their Disney parks division and whatever else. But the heart of it is about family. <laughs> I mean, mm. I guess family. So, so it's just spoiled, rich white kids that want to take over their dad's bazillion dollar company. And they all think that they're entitled to it because just because, you know, they have the last, the same last name and all the things involved and everything. And uh, for some reason, I watched all of them, including, and I'm, oh, thank you, HBO people for only making it four seasons because there's no way in hell I was going to watch anything more leading. I haven't uh, watched any of it. Uh, you know, I know. And now I, now I feel like, yeah, you can, you can watch it or not watch it. I just got, I could complain about the writing, whatever else, you know, um, the, the actors are fantastic at what they do. They nailed it. The, the head dude, Logan Roy. Oh my God. That guy is absolutely amazing actor. They got Cameron from uh, Ferris Bueller. You know, he's, he's, he's a dipshit in his own way. The other, the other son is a dipshit. They're all dipshits in their own way. They've got the kid from uh, Home Alone, right? You remember that kid? Macaulay oh, Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. He has a brother in real life. Uh, Kieran? Kieran Culkin? I don't remember. So he's one of like the biggest dipshits in the history of dipshits on the show. And I feel like, okay, acting-wise, that's what they were going for. They nailed it. But also, I feel going forward, if any of those people, including the, McCul the McCulkin guy, if they get typecasted type as dipshit you know especially rich dipshit going forward i'm like oh well you know you brought it on yourself hmm. that they had they had nailed it that much anyway so i finished succession finally and um it, there was there was a shocker or two in there the way it ended i'm glad it ended and just the fact that i'm so emotionally uh wrapped up in it means that it was great writing obviously fantastic writing directing uh, I'm, I'm glad it's over and I, I have my own things to say about the series finale. Uh, glad, glad that it's over. Those characters are all dipshits. The, the son and the other son and the other son and the daughter and uh, super five-star dipshits across the board for sure. Great series. Glad that it's over. Thank you, Succession. All right. Um, anything for the rest of this week? Dr. No, I have nothing for the week. I, I have um, uh, summer starting and I'm going to be up and down on my schedule. I am looking forward to barbecuing and I will be uh, not drinking 9.4% uh, alcohol through the summer. And at some time, I really got to get into this this smoking a brisket business. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if, uh, if the summer is the right time. And I got to get up to your neck of the woods so we can go get steaks and... Uh, shoot shotguns in the usual. Absolutely. And on that, uh, I'm just going to say bedonk to my Belgian brothers. Uh, Y'all make an excellent beer. I only got through one in what, an hour and a half. And I feel like I've drank a six pack. So I'm, I'm on, I'm on one and a half over here and I am going dancing and uh, I'm going to change. Uh, I am uh no, I am, I'm, I'm going out into the world. I'm going to, probably fight crime. A lot of things are going to happen today. I'm very, All very, right. thank you, Belgium. Very excited. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we will, we will talk to you next week and, uh, great to hear from you, Sean Esquire. I miss you. We will, we will hang soon. Absolutely. Have a good week. Take care, everybody. Okay.